Welcome to the OWA Talks podcast. I am your co-host, Stephanie, here with our other co-host, Sandra. This month's guest is going to be Katie Laver, uh, VP of Business Relations at GPN Technology. Welcome, Katie. Hi, thanks so much for having me today. Let's start out with a little introduction. Tell us about uh, your background. Um, so like you said, I'm Katie Lover, and I'm the VP of Business Relations at GPN Technologies. And I've been in the optometry industry for nine years now. Funny because every time someone asks me to tell them about myself, first thing I say is that I'm a Gemini to a T um, because I'm always wanting to learn as much as possible in a variety of topics. And my background really exemplifies that. So I got my bachelor's degree in psychology with an emphasis in child development. And I went on to be a preschool teacher and an in-home nanny for a handful of years. And then out of nowhere, the optometry industry just kind of fell into my lap. So I was looking to move to Asheville, North Carolina from Virginia. And while searching for jobs, I found one at an optometry office. And honestly, I knew nothing about optometry except for the fact that I wore glasses and contacts growing up. And so I went ahead and applied and did a Skype interview and was hired on the spot. And in two weeks, I packed up all my stuff and I moved to Asheville, never once having visited the town before. Um, so I was super young and adventurous and just took a leap, which proved to be the best decision in my life because it has landed me into this amazing career. And so after working for a few months in the practice, I knew that this is really where I wanted to be. So I went ahead and got my ABO certification. And then I moved into the optical manager position. And I worked in that office for about four years. And then I got hired at GPN. So now I've been with GPN for five years and it's been absolutely amazing. I've gotten to meet a lot of people in this industry and I've had the opportunity to really advance my skill set. Katie, I love, I love hearing your background of, of how you started and, and transitioned into the optometric position that you have today. How did you get involved with the OWA and why do you think it's such an important organization for women in the industry? Yeah, so I discovered the OWA through GPN actually. Um, we're a sponsor, so you know I learned about it through our sponsorship and after attending a few events as a guest at Vision Expo over the years, I decided that becoming a member was pretty much a no-brainer. Um, you know, the missions organization to connect, inspire, and lead is something that I personally feel just really tied to in my leadership role. And the OWA is so important for women. You know, I think I read in Women Optometry that women make up 45% of the total of practicing ODs. So I feel like this organization is a really great way to connect with each other. I found personally that this group of females is here to, you know, act as a networking outlet, a support group, your cheerleader, your educator, and beyond. Um, I know that I've already made some really amazing connections as a member of the OWA, and I truly feel like the ladies in this organization have my back. So I feel, you know, that it's just really crucial to our industry because it allows women to feel like they have a safe place to ask questions, be heard, and vocalize their ideas without any judgment. I'm a firm believer that people in this industry, there's two types, people that were born into it and then the people that fell into it. So <laughs> I'm also somebody that kind of fell into this entire industry, much like you. Um, you've had a really successful career path. Um, what are some, uh, what's some advice or some tips that you have for somebody just getting started, just entering into the optical industry um, in order for them to have a successful career 
And how do you think that's changed uh, with the pandemic going on? Biggest pieces of advice that I have would be to set goals for yourself, invest in yourself, whether through education or coaching, and most definitely be an advocate for yourself, you know, really fight for what you want. I think the pandemic has had a lot of people kind of down in the dumps, both emotionally and financially. And those things alone can definitely affect these tips. Um, but if you're not feeling motivated or emotionally stable, it can be really hard to see beyond where you are in the moment, which would definitely affect setting goals for yourself or fighting for what you want. And if you're financially struggling, it could be really hard to invest in your education. That being said, I think it's important to always find the silver linings in life. And one thing this pandemic has done is that it's brought a lot of pause to our lives. So within this time of quiet, a lot of us were able to do some serious self-reflection. So even though the pandemic may have caused some of us to lose our jobs or be on furlough, or if you're like me, still have the blessing of being able to work, um, but had a lack of childcare or became a homeschool teacher to your school-age children, focusing on the good things and the little victories is a huge win in my book. Even with the struggles that we all have had during this difficult time, I personally feel that these three pieces of advice are manageable. There's a plethora of free education out there. Take a look at the OWA's website. There are all kinds of resources there. And as far as setting your goals and fighting for what you want, what better way is there to pull yourself out of a funk than putting your dreams on paper and really taking the time to plan how to make them a reality. So just like with all hard situations, this too shall pass and you wanna be ready to crush your next steps when you're on the other side of it. Katie, that's such wonderful advice. And I know we talked a little bit about people who might not necessarily have a lot of money right now. The OWA has the three advisory groups and one of them would probably be a fit for just about anyone. And those don't have any additional costs. So that's a great way for people to continue that and build that network as well. But so today our, our purpose of coming together is to talk about balance with work and life. Can you share with us a little bit about your life experiences and what they've been like over the past year during the pandemic? I'm incredibly lucky because as I stated earlier, you know, I've worked from home my whole career at GPN. So besides some general yearly travel, my office is next to my kitchen overlooking the Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, and so when the pandemic hit, my day to day didn't really change when it comes to work location, but it did change when it came to childcare. So I'm a high achiever. That is me to a T, plain and simple. Um, I'm the silly woman that decided to work during maternity leave because I couldn't bear to be away from my team. And for the record, GPN did not ask me to do that. <laughs> I just absolutely love my job. Um, and anything that makes me feel like I'm not performing, I get antsy about. And the pandemic caused my husband and I in a matter of 24 hours to have zero childcare indefinitely. And so at the time of the shutdown, my son was 19 months old. So sitting him down with an activity while I worked was not an option. My husband's job is considered essential and we ended up having to split our days in half, each working four hours on and four hours off in order to provide care for my son. So in order to accomplish a full day's work, we got up early and we stayed up late. And although both of our jobs were so supportive and told us to do whatever we needed and never required more than what we were giving during those working hours, our overachieving personalities got the best of us and we felt the need to wake up at 4 a.m. and go to bed at 10 p.m. Throw in a baby that doesn't sleep through the night and you have a recipe for stress and overwhelm. 
Not to mention we were moving from Asheville back to Virginia. And at this point, I just don't know what we were thinking then. <laughs> but what I realized is that life definitely tests you. And going back to the advice that I gave earlier, you have to have a plan and you have to take that pause to reflect, set your goals and fight for the life that you want. And we knew that we couldn't keep running ourselves this way. So we decided to move forward with our move to Virginia, which caused my husband to be without work for four months, but it allowed us to have care for my son and provided you know, that he was able to stay home. It allowed me to go back to working full days again. So a lot of us in the OWA are dealing with trying to be a parent and working and pandemic and all of this stuff going on. For you as a mom, what areas has the pandemic kind of shown light on for you as a leader, a business professional, and as a woman? So I'd say that the pandemic has made me realize that it is okay to fail. It's okay to admit when you need help, and it's definitely okay to step back and take time to love yourself and be raw and real sometimes. I feel like when it comes to professionalism, there's an unspoken doctrine where you can't show emotion, struggle, or realism. And I'm one that's always practiced being real with my team within reason. I don't sugarcoat things. I speak my mind in a professional manner, but the pandemic put all of us in this industry on the same level. Whether you're a doctor, an optician, a front desk receptionist, a vendor, whoever you are in this industry, regardless of your title, when COVID hit, we all lost a lot. And I think I realized it's okay as a leader, as a mother, to share your feelings. And even though society tells us women to not be emotional in the workplace, it's okay to break down those walls once in a while. That being said, it's also important to rise back up to the top and to guide and lift your team up and be strong for them. And in turn, your strength will help them be strong for you. So it's the same exact thing with parenting. Talk to your kid about what they're feeling, show them the way, and when they smile and wipe their tears, they let you know you're doing a good job, which makes you feel strong again. Like you, many of us have faced many different challenges than what we're used to over the past year or so. Do you think that we're able to multitask well when life gives us more tasks and projects than we're able to do separately? And do you have any tips that really have allowed you to multitask over the past year? And it definitely sounds like between work, family, and moving, you've had more than your fair share to, to manage. Yeah, I would definitely say so. But you know, women are just naturally good at multitasking, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, no, I think when you have an overwhelm of projects on our hands, it's hard to multitask and actually do a good job with everything. Personally, I like to utilize to-do lists and a priority planner um, because it allows me to really focus on what tasks or projects are the most important and knock them out in a timely manner. So sometimes I multitask when I'm on a call. So I'll be listening to what's being said while also shooting over a quick email response to someone. But when it comes to major projects, I really like to prioritize them and then delegate parts if possible to knock them out. I found that project delegation is key. And that's something that's always been kind of hard for me because I want to take on so much you know, myself, that's part of my Gemini spirit. But what I've learned is that it is okay to solicit the help of your team. One team member can be pulling information for you on one part of your project while you're typing up a report or building a spreadsheet on another part of the project, you can get things done quickly. So we all have different concepts of what work-life balance is. What is your definition of work-life balance? 
To me, having work-life balance is crucial, and it means a few things, like knowing when to start and stop your work day, and you know, accomplishing bigger projects at work while also taking time to go to the doctor if need be. It's really equally prioritizing the demands of your career and your life. So Katie, some of us aren't really great at the work-life balance. I know many times I, I probably fall into that category. Um, what strategies are you able to share with us to really help us think about how we might be able to achieve our own personal balance. So like you said, creating work-life balance is actually really hard, especially for those who are high achievers. And in my opinion, it's even harder when you work from home, which many of us fall into that category now with the pandemic. Like I said earlier, I've worked from home for five years, so I've had some time to iron out the kinks, but many of the women that I talk to in this industry are working from home for the first time ever due to the pandemic, and they've had a really hard time with finding balance. My biggest pieces of advice to improve work-life balance would be number one, to set office hours. That goes for if you work from home or if you're always in an office. It is so important to have dedicated workspace in your home if you're at home um, so that when 5 p.m. hits or whatever time you typically end your day, you close the laptop, shut the door, and walk away. I'm definitely guilty of saying to myself, just one more email, you know, I can do this one last project, um, you know, right when five o'clock is about to hit, but I need to turn it off and spend time with my family because truth be told, there are no major fires that can't wait till tomorrow. So unless you're doing a job where people's lives are literally on the line, you can end your workday at a reasonable hour. And if you're someone that grinds the keys nonstop, then set a buffer time for yourself. So if your typical day ends at 5 p.m., tell yourself you will not work past 5.45. This gives you an extra 45 minutes to pour into your job and you can feel great that you gave that extra effort, but now it's time to go home. And the other thing with work-life balance is really prioritizing your time and managing people's expectations. Many people think that work-life balance means taking PTO. And although that's important, it also means managing your mental health while at work, which can mean making sure that people know what to expect from you. Let your boss know what personal appointments you have during the week that are non-negotiable, like therapy or a professional networking group meeting or picking up your kids from school. This lets people know not to expect you to be around 24 seven. So when you don't answer your phone, it doesn't look like you're not working. They know you're not working because you've been honest about your needs. And then the last thing I would say is to take a lunch break. I am 150% guilty of eating at my desk while I'm typing away or sitting in a meeting, but I've learned that walking away from the computer and enjoying lunch out on my deck or, you know, just in my living room does wonders for my afternoon. It has me coming back to my computer feeling refreshed and ready to tackle the rest of my day. So set a timer for yourself to go off at whatever time you want for lunch to cue you to get up, leave the office, you know, take your true lunch block and actually block lunchtime on your calendar so that meetings don't get booked. Yeah, that lunch one is something I'm guilty of a lot. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> and they make it so easy. You could work while you're eating. I know, I know. <laughs> so as we look into the future of and the pandemic ending, do you anticipate that some of these strategies will be relevant or will there be different strategies that might be more impactful to encourage that balance? 
Yeah, you know, I think these strategies definitely are still going to be relevant after the pandemic. The pandemic has left all of us a little frazzled. So the only thing I would add in is maybe to find some time in the day to just be appreciative. So something that I do every single morning is I write down my gratitudes. Um, it really helps to just start my day in that positive mindset. Um, and so I think doing this throughout the day, especially after the pandemic would be an awesome mental health boost. So, you know, it really just allows you to take a moment to pause and be thankful, um, especially after the pandemic, being thankful that we've made it to the other side of the craziness. We've had such great ideas and strategies that you've shared with us today, and I think they can be helpful to all of the listeners. One of the things that we like to do at the end of every podcast is ask you if you'd be willing to share one last piece of advice. It can be on anything you want, um, just to kind of leave people with something to remember our time together with. Yeah, so I think the one thing that everyone should always remember is to give yourself grace and really show yourself some compassion. So as a leader and a mom and a woman, an entrepreneur, an executive, whatever your title is, we all have our ups and our downs. And it's really important to not necessarily have a pity party for yourself, but to understand that there is a true ebb and flow to life. And it's okay if things don't always go as planned. As long as you're keeping your eye on the prize and you're staying focused, read and listen to your personal and professional development and say your affirmations daily, you are good to go. So if you can do all of those things, I assure you, you will accomplish absolutely anything that you put your mind to. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Katie. Um, a lot of stuff to think about as far as, you know, taking care of yourself and, you know, making sure that work doesn't consume everything in your life. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Thank you so much for joining us and we will see everyone at our next episode. Thank you.